Thank you for tuning in on Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with comic Angela Palladino. Angela Palladino, how the hell are you? I'm doing all right, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on. And what we're going to talk about is serial killers. But before we get to that, let's get to the even more important gruesome stuff, which is just, you know, hilarity, doom scrolling Twitter. And your Twitter account is Ange Pal. Are you uh, doom scrolling Twitter via that account? Oh, absolutely. Every friggin'. I mean, I've been waking up at like four in the morning just because, <laughs> you know, insomnia. And then uh, I'll like roll over and look at Twitter. And then next <laughs> thing you know, it's like 8 a.m. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> I, I, I think we have uh, we have determined the cause of your insomnia. It's the fact that you are sleeping with the blue screens. Yeah, I I know that I shouldn't be doing that. Everyone <laughs> tells me to stop. I need to put my phone in a different room at night. I just I can't help it. I'm addicted. <laughs> uh, she's addicted. And, and are you doing the same thing at, at your Instagram at- account, Ange.pal? Yeah, it's less doom there. Um, <laughs> I don't follow a bunch of doom accounts. Um, but yeah, I'm. It's I, I can't get enough of it. It's like every single day. I'm just my screen time is astronomical. Obviously, we're all stuck inside. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have yeah thirst trap thirst traps for the dooms generation? Like, do you have any um you know what's your <laughs> idea of of you know an Instagram account for comedians? Like, are you trying to just post hilarious stuff or clips of your stand up comedy, or are they more likely to find this, the stand up clips at AngelaPaladino.com? Um, more likely to find it on my website. I don't post a ton of stand-up to either Instagram or Twitter. I post a lot of jokes on Twitter, but I don't post clips usually. Um, and then my Instagram is, sometimes I'll post sketches there, um, or like funny videos or thirst traps, uh, <laughs> or just like promo for my shows and stuff. Mostly you'll find on Instagram. Yeah. And, and you have the Walt comedy show that used to be at Union Hall. And then are you guys doing that on a Zoom or what, what are you doing? Um, we haven't been doing it on Zoom. We're kind of holding out for the live format. But yeah, we were at monthly at Union Hall. <laughs> the last one was like a week before everything shut down. Um, so we're just kind of holding out for, for the live format. You know, the three hosts were kind of uh, all over the place uh, um, as far as location-wise. Yeah. So we um, haven't been able to get together to do a park show or anything like that yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm talking to a lot of these comedians, and sometimes I'm talking to them, and they're in Amsterdam or Mississippi or uh, Texas, and, and they're New York City comedians, though, so, you know, I can't uh, begrudge where they currently are, because I know the minute they can be, they'll be back. Yeah. I mean, we're all still in the city, but it's like oh, okay. one person is deep in Queens, and, you know, without <laughs> getting, you know, I'm, you know, we don't really want to get on the train or anything right now, so it's just like, yes. ugh, it seems like more of a hassle than it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> and are you, uh, were you doing sketch with Boogie Manja? Yeah, yeah. Up until uh, quarantine, obviously, uh, I've been doing, I've been doing sketch there for three years. And that's um, just a live stage show Friday nights at the Pit Theater. Um, that's a big did... show. That's a big show, right? If you have a regular, I think I had Tiffany Fireball on and she was talking about it just being a long running show. And, and is it on the striker stage or is it one on one? To have a weekly yeah. show, it's pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, Tiffany was actually on my team. Um, yes, well, <laughs> and, yeah, she's uh, hilarious, right? Yeah, she's the best. I freaking love that girl. And <laughs> um, yeah, it was a great, a big show. We were pretty much selling out like every Friday. And then, you know, 
teams would rotate and our sketch group was up once a month we'd put up an original 30 minute show um and and yeah i've been doing it for three years and it's just always a blast and the crowds are really good and it's always packed and it's just a good way to spend a friday night so you're saying it might be like a good place for a serial killer to go wild right if they started stalking (laughs) i mean yeah you could you could could. really clean up there because people have their guard down you know yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah your laughter is just putting their guard down and there's so many so many necks to slit and that brings us to the golden state killer and the fact (laughs) that you got into the pat noswald wife documentary so kind of like i think i saw a golden state killer documentary but this one which is on hbo you said and it's through the lens Mm -hmm. of pat noswald's uh, now deceased wife who was uh, hot on his on his tail yeah, Michelle McNamara is a, a crime writer. Uh, she's obviously since passed, unfortunately, but she was this uh, incredible crime writer and wrote a book uh, called "I'll Be Gone in the Dark," which is about the Golden State Killer. And her her book has now been turned into this HBO series, also called "I'll Be Gone in the Dark," and it um, it's really interesting the way that they blend. It's about obviously his crimes, and it it. it profiles the case of the golden state killer but it also sort of profiles michelle and her uh and her quest to sort of find this guy and it's really really well done and and yeah it's just it's just crazy that i mean that guy was at large for i don't know when it was in the the late 1974 to like 1986 was his crime span and then they in 2018 so wow. from 86 they, to 2018 he was just dormant and nobody knew who he was yeah and i, I think i like that type of documentary too because don't fuck with cats was kind of like that where you were able to see some of these internet sleuths hot on the trail of that cat killer who turned out to be a person killer yeah i mean don't fuck with cats similarly like the citizen detective sort of thing like michelle obviously wasn't an actual detective there's other people involved in the story like billy jensen and her um, and her research assistant, this other, uh, guy, I think his name was Billy or she called him the kid. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> these, they're not detectives. And ultimately they ended up working with detectives to like put, like literally searched familial DNA on a, like a 23andMe type site, not actually 23andMe, but like they found him through basically 23andMe. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that yeah, crazy that, that, and, and you gotta you gotta thank whoever submitted some saliva or whatever to kind of make that comparison you know and i think yeah. a lot of times on those uh forensic files you you had a lot of the mitoc- mitochondrial dna which has passed through the mother's side and um mm. i guess that's probably what happened here where they were able to find similarities between that which was submitted because of course he wasn't submitting right of course yeah yeah they found like his third cousin or something i don't know and and then they just had to like narrow it down. Well, this guy has a partial match and he's got a third cousin who's the right age and was in the right area at the right time. And holy shit, it's the guy. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. You, and you got to yeah. think that if he had known that th- that was possible, he would have killed all his relatives too. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> These guys, though, listen, I know a thing or two about serial killers. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's, uh, I have a very a doom centered, uh, mind i guess but um these guys they don't always you know they they're really lovely to their families sometimes you know and then it's just like their hobby to like be (laughs) horrible horrible human beings 
Yeah, uh, yes. I had Olga Namer on, and we were talking about the fact that the daughter of the BTK killer wrote a oh, memoir. Yeah. Wrote wrote a memoir, and she talked about he was about to come out of retirement to kill his eleventh victim, but a FedEx person came, and so he wasn't able to do it. So he went camping instead. And there's a picture of her as a child on that camping trip with her loving father. <laughs> it's so BTK is a real piece of shit because yeah. he was like really, really like like two different lives like one life he was just this like sadist serial killer and the other life he was like a deacon at his yes. church and like a real family man Ugh. yeah w w we will soon find out whether or not like the jerry falwell jr you know has some actual skeleton skeletons in his basement in addition to you know <laughs> you know posing with his his zipper down and, and speaking of pieces of shit let's talk about another serial killer and like how we can say you know we can talk about the golden state killer one way and then when i bring up btk killer you're like he's a real piece of shit like you know and then bringing up ted bundy because pre-pod you had noticed you know you had noted how the the ted bundy tapes were just so fucking you know just him blathering on and things like that and how can we hate a serial killer even more when he annoys us you know for hours on end that's the thing. I mean, listen, all of these guys are real pieces of shit. But the <laughs> difference between, like, Golden State Killer and then BTK and, like, Ted Bundy is, like, BTK wanted to be famous for, like, yeah. he was, like, writing letters to the police and writing letters to the newspapers. And Ted Bundy, again, fucking loved its narcissism. He just fucking yeah. loved uh, the attention. And the reason, the problem I have with that documentary, you've seen that doc, right? With Ted Bundy. Yeah, the Ted Bundy. Oh, I, I, I absolutely. I'll watch it over and over again. I love it. Yeah. I, I, it's an interesting documentary. I don't love that it's like in his words because yeah. I just feel like, like, why are we listening to this guy? You know, yeah. it's an interesting like way to get a profile inside the mind. But I'm also just like, they sort of, especially with Ted Bundy, because he was like the hot serial killer. Like, people were like, <laughs> obsessed with how sexy he is. I'm like, I it just they turned him into kind of a rock star and I don't think he deserves that sort of like it's almost like he's cool you know quote unquote and I uh and I don't think he's cool <laughs> well, well, because yeah because because you brought it up if somebody like Ted Bundy ended up on Angela Palladino's tinder or whatever would she uh would she kind of approve or I don't know if it's swipe whatever the good swiping is how would she swipe on Ted Bundy if she didn't know he's a serial <laughs> If I didn't know he was a serial killer, listen, I mean, I'm I'm not single one, but also two. I think that he he's got a creepy face. <sighs> I just I never really got like people said he was hot and he's not horrible looking, right. but he does look kind of sinister to me. Yeah. Like his smile is sort of like slimy. Like he looks like a, a slime ball. Also yeah. he was like in the young Republicans and like uh, a real like waspy dude. So it's just not my type anyway. And that would probably, <laughs> and, and I would think that narcissism would come through on the profile. Like I recently read an article about, you know, are you an, are you an introvert or are you an, a narcissist? <laughs> and it, <laughs> it, it kind of, you know, had this list of questions that if you answered it, you know, either three or five, that would be the difference between you know introvert at three or narcissist at five. And, you know, I'm an introvert, but I also have a giant fucking ego. And one of the things about introversion is, it allows you to keep yourself out of games that you can't win. Like back in the day, you know, I had a huge mm -hmm. ego. But once you're, you know, if that ego is fragile, 
you don't take it for a test spin. It's like, you know, you have a Lamborghini, you don't fucking take it to the market because it could get dinged up with carts in the parking lot or something. And so, um, so, you know, do you, do you, you know, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Do you think there's any link with ego or narcissism, you know, when it comes to those, you know, E or I extrovert or introvert? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I'm an introvert, weirdly, even though I'm a performer and a comedian. They're totally consistent. Like, I'm totally fine when I'm on stage. I do better the bigger the crowd. Um, I'm great public speaking. But, like, when I go to a party, I'm kind of, like, uh, like just sort of a wallflower. I'm not the life of the party, necessarily. I just kind yeah. of, like, chill in the corner, talk to, like, the few people I know. Like, I'm friendly, but, like, I don't know. I'm just shy. Um, but, but yeah, as far as, like, a link between um, narcissism and... I guess I think there might I don't know that's really interesting because then you look at people like uh fucking the president who's very clearly a narcissist but yeah. also seems to be like super extroverted because he wants everyone to like like I don't think that man spends a minute alone in his whole day you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think he recharges by, like, having peaceful alone time, which is, like, what they say introvert. It's, like, how you recharge. Like, either you get your energy from, like, being inward or you get your energy from other people. Right? Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's like the balloon. It's either sapping energy from your balloon and you need to go back and blow it up. Or if you're an extrovert, mm-hmm. you actually get the balloon blown up with the energy of others. And that's fucking weird to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, that's do you have, the thing. Do you have like, an I, ego? Yeah, I guess narcissism is kind of sometimes it's at, at the expense of others. But yeah. I guess I mean, are you also egotistical? Where you know that's one of the reasons why you go up on stage. Um, I don't know. That's a, a, egotistical. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, maybe I don't know. I, I I'm really confident in like my abilities. Like you know what I mean. But like I know what I can do as far as like oh like I know this set works. And I'm really confident in this set. So and I get up on stage and it does well. I'm like, cool. Well, it's because I, you know, worked on it for a couple months <laughs> or whatever. It's not because um, I'm just br- brilliant automatically. I worked really hard on it. And the fact that you're also a member of a sketch team would seem to kind of show that you play well with others to the point where if somebody else has a spotlight, you won't be too pissed off about that. Exactly. And like my my show at Union Hall, Waltz, like I host that with two other hosts. Um <laughs> It's all a collaborative, like, um, I really like working with teams and, and just collabing with other people. It's, like, kind of a, li- a little bit of a comfort zone, but I also find it really fun. And, and, like, I think the work is better, just being able to bounce jokes off of people, bounce ideas off of other people. Um, I mean, the reason I like stand-up as a solo endeavor, honestly, is simply because it's easier scheduling. <laughs> because I just know, yeah. like, oh. I can do a show that day because I'm available versus like if you're working in a group thing, it's like you got to see if everyone's free and then <laughs> whose like apartment are we rehearsing at or whatever. Uh, the fuck. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, even with writing, right, it's it can be a solo process, but it is collaborative in the way that like you're sending drafts out to people or you're like putting your jokes up on stage at a mic or testing out new stuff in front of people. And you're getting that feedback. And it's in, in, in that way, like stand up is a collaboration with the audience almost because they're going to give you feedback on whether or not <laughs> they're going <laughs> to let you know, like a good editor, what does not work. And I suppose, you know, I, I suppose there could be um, more overlap between narcissists and maybe um, 
I'm just trying to think like like improv, you know, the lack yeah. of control and the fact that, you know, I would almost think you can't be a narcissist and also be an improv because although you can hog the spotlight, you wouldn't be on that team long if you just hogged the spotlight consistently. And that's why, you know, I, I think I tried improv and it, it sucked compared to stand up because <laughs> you, di you didn't have any control over you know, other people hogging your spotlight. And so I, I suppose like a Ted Bundy might be able to do sketch, might be able to do stand up, but maybe not do improv. What do you think? Ted Bundy would be horrible at improv. <laughs> yes. And I shot her. It's just like the Michael Scarn, Michael Scott. Yeah. The office. <laughs> Michael Scarn. He was always exactly. pulling out a rope or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He would just, <laughs> he would just derail everything and make <laughs> it like exactly what he wanted it to be. I'm a frog man. I'm a frog man. I was a champion frog catcher. And you're like, dude, Ted Bundy, shut the fuck up. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it, when you think about these serial killers, they want to control their own narrative. That's why they're playing God, right? That's why they're killing people. They want to control the story. Yeah. And it's in a lot of about killing and, and murder and shit like that is about control. Yeah. And uh, you have no control in improv. It's literally about just going with wherever the group takes you. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would think, yeah, maybe he'd murder his team. <laughs> it would become a stand-up act after a while, right? No. And, and, and as mean, far as, yeah, like controlling, your, yeah, going on your whole controlling your narrative thing and back to the, the I guess it's a GSK killer, like, you know, did he, like, I think he would call victims or something oh. like that, like either before or after he'd call the victim's family or something like, um, so he really didn't get off on doing something like BTK where he taunted the press or somebody like Bundy who then represented himself at trial. Like did, was GSK, I guess he was about control and controlling their fear, but I guess because he didn't want to get caught and because he wanted to keep going, he was fine putting off controlling the narrative until he got caught. He didn't go ahead and like, you know, call the press all the time. Yeah, no, he didn't really interact with the press or I mean, he was he was a cop. He was a law enforcement uh, uh, officer. So he he weirdly like he didn't taunt the police because he was a police um, and he didn't, yeah, he didn't interact with the press really, but he, he did taunt his victims. Like he would call some of them years after and he wow. would stalk them ahead of time to get a lay of the land. He would like case the house and like follow them and pay, he would like pick out his victim and then like learn about them before he did anything. And then when he was actually like in the act of committing the crime, it was very much about control. Like he would fuck with their minds and like tie people up. He would like attack a couple and then um, be attacking the woman while he tied like the husband up on the yeah, ground. Like, and he would put like plates, plates on his yeah. back. Wow, yeah, wow, that's cool. Yeah, but everything yeah. you're mentioning, everything you're mentioning now, could be said of a relationship. So, have you, you know, because you said you you're in a relationship, you know, is there any anything that uh, you know GSK did that you just discussed that can be, you know, you know, talked about in the relationship context, like? you know, stalking your victims, <laughs> control <laughs> things, you know, control things, you know, tying people up, things like that. Um, I'm not into necessarily BDSM, <laughs> like no king right. shame, whatever floats your boat, do what you do, which is not for me. Right. Um, <laughs> if control that's what you or stalking your exes or whatever. Is there any, no. like, I, re I really think there's a strong, like for me, and this is why I haven't dated for decades, because it, it's, it's the control thing. It's the fact that I control my shit now, but the minute you're in a loving relationship, that ceases to exist. Is that basically yeah. true? 
Yeah, I mean, no, that's not true for me. I mean, I don't know. I think, again, it's about collab. It's it's a collab. Brian, you got to think of a relationship as a collaboration. Oh, like Scott, like Boogie Manja, right? Yes. Unfortunately, relationships are exactly like sketch comedy (laughs) in the way that they very rarely work out if it's too long. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But, yeah, no, I think... I mean, listen, my relationship is 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 very good and there's no controlling or anything like that. So I don't know. I think if you're if you're trying to control a relationship, I think that you need to um, take a step back and think about, you know, yourself and um, maybe work on yourself. <laughs> I mean, well, well, I mean, yeah, to the extent, oh, absolutely. To the extent I want to get in a relationship, of course, I have to work on myself. But, you know, the whole control ceasing to exist you know, is it that, you know, you know, in your current relationship or just successful relationships in general, I don't want to pry, but like is, you control yourself in that you keep your boundaries, you know, you respect yourself, of course, but beyond mm-hmm. that, the control kind of ceases to exist and it becomes more of a collaboration. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, inherent in the nature of it. Like, I think that you have to, it's about compromise and communication, right? Like you have to just recognize that it's not all about what you want all the time um and and that's any one person and then so it becomes like what does the group want right what does the two of us want um and and then yeah you just got to be cool with that and you know hopefully you know that is kind of what you're in it for ultimately is like a collaborative life yeah, and if the collaborative <laughs> life is working, it, it has payoff in some sort of happiness or sex in the same way like a Boogie Manja show would have its payoff in laughs. And that way, you know, the collaboration is actually actually successful. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if one person wants everything to be their way, it's never going to work. Same thing with the improv thing, right? Like if one person on the group, on the team is like, no, we're doing this. No, we're doing this. No, we're doing this in every scene. It's a shitty set <laughs> yeah and, th- and that's why ted bunny would never be on your sketch team yes and i would also never date him see it all yes comes- <laughs> fucking, fucking full circle well, i can't wait because someday angela palladino is going to have a documentary where she has successfully tracked down a serial killer because she's doom scrolling twitter and watching all these netflix documentaries and hbo and amazon documentaries honestly i can only hope yes. oddly enough my uh, my day job when I'm not doing comedy related stuff, I do a lot of comedy production work too, but I got started in, in film production working in documentary yes. uh, in true crime, actually. Uh, well, not really true crime. It was about uh, like uh, cartels. I worked on this documentary called cartel land okay. and um, anyway, so yeah, I hope that one day I get to <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll do a true crime documentary about a murderer who was a comedian, like um, John Wayne Gacy, who's a clown. Yeah, yeah. so I cannot, <laughs> I cannot wait. When I see a serial killing, I will totally tip you off because you have connections in the cartel land documentary world. And I thank you so much for coming on, Angela Palladino. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. This was super fun. <laughs>